So there's no danger of being lukewarm in this place, is there? You are, you are either hot or cold, but praise God for, for the heating and for jumpers that I can take off. Um, I suppose a few of you saw me come in this morning and think Nick looks quite smart today. He's not normally in one of his tatty old t-shirts and his, and his torn jeans. Um, so he must be preaching, and I am. Um, these are some new trousers that I bought. Uh, I read recently that uh, David Cameron, he's back in the news, um, adopts an approach where if he's got something important to say, he does it with a full bladder. Uh, apparently, apparently it increases the sense of urgency. <laughs> but given the colour of these trousers, I will not be doing that. But if you see me in black trousers... I've had a really rubbish couple of weeks. Um, I've been quite nervous. I've been worrying about things, waking up in the night. Uh, fell off my bike last week in a busy bus lane, which was uh, just waiting for the squish. Um, I tore a hole in my palm the other day using a saw, which uh, we've now named the Jammy Dodger. Um, I got metal in my eye yesterday morning and I had to go to A&E and I've rewritten this message four times. Um, and to be honest, it's been a bit of a roller coaster getting to this point. Um, when I was first asked to preach, um, it's a bit like being in Alton Towers and you think, yeah, yeah, let's, 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 let's go on the ride. And you go on the ride, yeah, yeah, let's go on the ride. And then you're in the queue and you start to get a bit... Mm, sure about this um, and then you're in like kind of that final bit where you're getting into the ride and you're thinking oh, what about my keys in my pocket what if they fall out and what if, what if this happens well right now we're at the top of the big drop and it spoke a great truth when someone said about eagle's wings and you just got to step out now maybe that was for someone else but it certainly spoke a lot to me so, strap in for the ride. Because somebody's been trying to stop me delivering this message. I really hope it wasn't God. Um, because if it was, you're all in for a disappointment. Um, um, I wanted to talk about truth. Um, I first wanted to talk about the wilderness. Um, Maine had mentioned that I gave um, a testimony here uh, a few weeks ago, and I talked about kind of those years where I'd wandered away from God as if they were wilderness years. Um, but then I've been reading Exodus, and I've realized that actually following that pattern that is in the Old Testament that we can apply to our lives, we're all in the wilderness now. Yeah? We haven't got to Canaan. We haven't got to the land of milk and honey. We're not in the promised land. But we are out of Egypt because we've been saved. We've been set free. And we're out, of the, we're out of Egypt, but we are still in the wilderness. And so I felt more inspired to talk about biblical truth and how we can use that truth in that wilderness. Um, I had loads of axes that I wanted to grind, I'll be honest with you and lots of things swimming around in my head. 
And I realised that that would have been me speaking. That would have been my annoyances, the things that drive me, the things that I'm interested in. And what I wanted to speak about is what God wanted to speak about. Um, So I got rid of everything I'd prepared and went right back to basics and said, you know what, let's do a classic sermon, take a piece of scripture, let's pull it to pieces, let's understand it, let's put it in context and then think about how we can apply it to our lives. So I apologise now if we run over. I also apologise if I can't finish because you'll have to have me back. (laughs) So if you were going to pick a verse from the Bible, if you were going to pick a passage that talked about truth, what would you pick? Anybody. Shout them out. It's a good one. It looks like my ear's going to fall out. Oh, I see. For anyone who doesn't know, that's my wife. Any others? So this is what I landed on. The truth will set you free. Because we all want to be free, right? Being free is good. Yeah? Freedom, liberty, autonomy. So hopefully we all know this verse. We've all seen this. Hopefully we all know who said it. Where is it in the Bible? Does anybody know? John something. John something, yeah. It's probably, it's probably not right to have or to say that one gospel is better than another. But if one gospel was better than another, it might be John. I like John. It gives a, a context to Jesus that is very personal, very special to John, who was his best mate. What's there? So we'll look at it in context because that quote is half a verse. And that's kind of part of what I want to talk about is making sure we get the whole truth out of the Bible. So John 8, 31 to 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So there's quite a lot of context there just in those two verses to get to that meaty bit at the end, the bit that we like to quote so often, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. And there's even more in the surrounding chapter. Let's break that down. So the bit we really like, the bit that we want, is to be set free. We all think that's a really good thing. And if we're going to be set free, we need to know the truth. But actually there's a number of steps, there's a process that we need to go through to get to that. And it's revealed in those two verses. 
First of all, believe. Jesus was talking to Jews who had believed. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him. Verse 30, which comes before those two verses, concludes a debate that had taken place between Jesus and the Pharisees. Now these are Pharisees who had just been shamed into not stoning a woman with the words, as he was saying these things, many, who met, many believed in him. But I want to put a pin in that just for now. But the context is Jesus is talking to Jews who had believed what he had said. Abide in his word. There's various theological debate around what we mean by the word. So we talk about the word as being the Bible. We talk about the word as being the things that God has said. But we also talk about the word as being Jesus himself. And the word that is used by John here is the word logos. It's the same word that he uses right at the beginning of his gospel when he says, in the beginning was the word. So when we're talking about abiding in his word, we're talking about abiding not just in what he says, but in who he is and in him himself. So by abiding in his word, we abide in the word. So step three, truly be disciples. Now when I was looking through this, I thought it was interesting, the, the ordering of things here and the sequence Discipleship is a product of that investment in a relationship with Christ. It's the fulfilment of that obedience. When you go to university to be a student, you are a student, just by virtue of the fact that you've arrived at university, it's fresh as week, you are a student. But really, you haven't studied anything. Can you really call yourself a student of something? I'm Jude's husband. And we exchanged rings 17 years ago. That's right, isn't it? <laughs> um, but what makes me truly her husband and her truly my wife is the 17 years of investment in our relationship. The fact that we are husband and wife is not a piece of paper. It's not a ring on a finger. It's a continually growing, maturing and developing thing. So we do all of that then we get to know the truth. But Pilate asked, what is truth? And I think we should ask the same thing. What is this truth that we are going to know? Because isn't it the same as belief? Because that's step one. Step one, the Jews believed, but they didn't have the truth. I thought was interesting. Bless you. You see, these Jews that had believed, believed in verse 30, but this truth is eluding them. This truth is something different. It's something deeper. And we're going to put a pin in that as well. So that's two things we will come back to. And the fifth bit, which I think we're all super excited about, is being set free. But what is freedom? What do we mean when we say that, kind of offhandedly, and we say to people, the truth will set you free, the truth will set you free. Is that freedom to do what you want? 
Is that autonomy? Choosing your own destiny. Is it independence? Don't need anybody else now. I'm free. I've got the truth. Is it a physical freedom? Free from physical slavery or physical imprisonment? Because the Jews thought that's what Jesus was talking about. Because they said, well, we're sons of Abraham. We've never been slaves. I mean, there's a whole chunk in the Old Testament that begs to differ. There's quite a while in Egypt. But if we carry on reading through John and we get to verses 34 and 36, Jesus explains that this is a freedom from slavery to sin. That is what we are being freed from. And it's clear from the way in which the Jews and the Pharisees are arguing with Jesus after he said this, that, yeah, they wanted to believe. They did believe. But they weren't prepared to recognise that they were slaves to sin. And that is the freedom that they needed. And that's what we truly want. To know that we are free of the price of sin. So let's jump back to that fourth point. I said we're going to put a pin in it. Later in John, he says, But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. So as we've said, this truth is different to a simple belief from hearing. This truth that sets people free is that product of obedience to Christ's words. David's been talking about it recently, about obedience and obeying Christ, not just believing. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's great to believe. When someone hears that word and says, yeah, I can see the truth in that. But it's only the first step. Chris gave... um, a really good message the other day um, about the parable of the sower. Because So we're going to come back to this other pin that I put in. Chris gave a really good talk the other week about the parable of the sower and how that seed has to be dropped onto fertile ground. Jesus had been talking to Jews who had started to believe. That seed had landed in their soil. These are people that Jesus had convinced to not stone a woman for something which they were falling back on Old Testament law to say this woman should be stoned for what she'd done. So Jesus had convinced them. They were believing. But... By the end of that chapter, and so hence my paraphrasing from uh, chapter 8, verse 30, to verses 59, if you cut out that talk in the middle, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. That whole chapter begins and ends with an attempted stoning. The first stoning is averted because Jesus convinces them otherwise. 
They believe. The last stoning is because they weren't prepared to accept the truth. They weren't prepared to abide in that word. They couldn't abide in his word for 29 verses. So seed that doesn't land on that well-tilled and fertile soil will not grow. So you've had a sneak preview of this slide already. But belief versus truth. I think they are two different things. There's the difference between that early planted germinating belief and a well-rooted truth. That parable of the sower has a number of different seeds which land and just simply don't take root. They don't mature. They don't grow. Because belief is accepting Christ as your saviour. Jesus in that chapter talks about being born of the flesh. And whilst you're still in your flesh, you can believe. You can say, yeah, that's for me. I want that. I see what that is in other people's lives. But the truth is when Christ is your Lord. And there is a long journey from, being, from having Christ as your saviour to having Christ as your Lord. When Christ is your Lord, you are born of the Spirit, and not of the flesh. You are born again. It's the difference between milk and solid food. It's a level of maturity that we strive towards. And it isn't a sudden belief to truth. Truth is a thing that continually grows and is continually revealed to us through our lives. This is from Paul in his letter to the Corinthians. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now, you are not yet ready. So who wants to be free? Who wants to be a spiritual people? So if we believe that second instruction that Christ gave us was abide in his word. The word that's used here is a word meno. And it's used by John many times. And this is three of, I think, 20 verses where John uses that word in his gospel as he wrote it in Greek as he would have done. John testified saying, I have seen the spirit descending as a dove out of heaven and he remained upon him. It's the same word, meno. After this, he went down to Capernaum. He and his mother and his brothers and his disciples and they stayed there a few days. Meno. He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Meno. There is a sense of resting, of remaining, of staying within and living within that is meant by that word abide. In some translations it says continue in his word 
And I think that's quite nice for us that we continue. It's not a place that we just go and sit. It's a place that we continue within and we continue to learn within. If we want solid food, if we want that spiritual maturity, and if we want to grow beyond that simple belief, then the steps are there for us to follow. So abide in his word. We've already said that abiding in his word means abiding in him. It also means abiding in scripture. It means reading the written word. Study it. Abide in it. Live in it. Continue in it. And be obedient to it. It is the most wonderful tool. A few years ago, Jude and I took a challenge from someone. He said, if you read the Bible, seven chapters a day, you'll finish it in six months. And you'll read it from beginning to end. Now, that is a little bit controversial. Some people think that's not how you read the Bible. Some people like to think you kind of dip in and out of it and you're inspired by it. Maybe you get some study guides. And that's all great. And I'm not going to tell you to study the Bible the way I've been reading the Bible. But you must immerse yourself in it. I once heard, um, I'm going to forget the quote now, it was was an audio trailer for Classic FM, um, when Classic FM first came on air. And it was, the, 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 the kind of the slogan was something like, tasty morsels selecting, selected from the greats. And someone had kind of reworded that and said, more like bleeding chunks torn from the carcass. Because if we don't understand the context, and even just like that passage we've been through today, if you don't understand the context, if you just dip in and whip out a verse that says what you want it to say, that makes you feel good about yourself, well, that's great. God wants you to feel good about yourself but he wants you to abide in him. There's a a phenomenon called um, confirmation bias, and it's incredibly prevalent now um, with the advent of the internet um, and just the kind of wealth of information that's out there. And there's a danger that we apply it to our own scriptural study as well. Particularly, I'm not a note-taker, I know Dave is big on note-taking. No chocolate bars for me. Um, I don't write in my Bible. Um, But that's just the way my brain works. Um, Sorry, I've lost my train now. Confirmation bias. You see, I went off track then. You see, it's not on my notes. Confirmation bias. But there is a danger that we seek out scriptures that support how we feel or what we think. And I was in danger of doing that this morning. It's bizarrely sort of cyclical and I've kind of taught myself a lesson by doing this message. There is a danger that we kind of cherry pick bits of the Bible that support our worldview, um, what's going on in the news, the guy that's really annoying you at work, We find the bits that support that, but we need to see the context. I'll try and get back on track now. 
Has anyone seen that picture before? I showed it. To, oh, I showed it to you at home group, didn't I? Yeah. Um, Jude and I have some friends, and they've got a, quite a big one of this on the wall. Um, this is a kind of piece of art that's been driven by data. So I work in IT, so I'm a bit of a data nerd, and I like kind of graphical representation of data. Now, make sure I press the right button. Oh, look at that. You can all see the little dot. Along the bottom here, anyone has a guess as to what that kind of upside-down graph is along the bottom? Books of the Bible. So in white, you've got Genesis there, marking the start of the Old Testament. You've got Matthew there, start, marking the start of the New Testament. And then kind of alternating colours, each one is a book of the Bible. You'll have guessed it, but the length of the lines is the length of that chapter in that book. So there you go, Psalm 119. What a beauty. But these lines here... Who said that? Ubong. I don't have any chocolate bars, mate, sorry. Um, yeah, those are references in the Bible. Does anyone want to hazard a guess as to how many lines there are? 500. Higher. 2,000? 10,000? 63,779 cross-references between verses in the Bible in total. Yeah? We all use the internet, and we all love a hyperlink. How many times have you gone on Wikipedia to look at something and then click 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 and, then click and suddenly you're reading about development of the railway in the early 1800s Russia? Or <laughs> This book is woven like a tapestry. The tapestry is an analogy I've used before to talk about you look at one side and you don't really understand what's going on. There's lots of loose threads. It's a bit straggly. It's not very clear. But when you turn the tapestry over, you see this beautiful thing. But this tapestry is huge. It's vast. And you need to be able to stand back to appreciate its beauty. And as lovely as that picture is, and it's a really cool talking point, that isn't a substitute for going through your Bible. And I would encourage you, do it once. Read it from beginning to end. Maynard's given a book advert. Um, someone else, I think it was Amanda, gave a book advert for um, a Spurgeon study Bible. So I'm going to give an advert. I've been reading Matthew Henry. So he has a concise commentary, which is massive, um, so, Chris, I think you've got, you've, got, you've got part one, which I think he had to get a mortgage for a bigger house just to fit it in. Um, but I'd really strongly encourage you to get some supporting material that will help you work through that Bible. And if you do it just once from beginning of the to end, at least you can tick that box and say, I've done it. I'm going to borrow from another culture and actually possibly from another religion so when the lightning bolt strikes me 
someone could tell my kids I love them. Um, there is, there's a story that is told, I think it's from India, about blind men and an elephant. And these blind men are all standing around this elephant and they're, they're arguing about what it is. And one of them's at one end, he's got the, got the tail, he says, it's like a rope. It's like a, it's a hairy rope. And there's a blind man at the other end, and he says, it's like a snake as this trunk's like sort of swirling around. And he, the other one's got a tusk. He says, no, it's like a rhinoceros. It's got a big spike on it. And the other one's going, no, it's just a great wall. It's just an obstacle, a big wall. And oh, it's like a tree trunk. And all of those blind men are right in their own way. They've got part of the truth, but they haven't got the whole truth. Well, I'm sort of, I'm sort, I'm sort, I'm sort of looking at this, and I'm thinking this is a good point to start another one. But it depends whether David thinks I can come back. He's, 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 he's nodding because I think he's enjoyed the time off this weekend. <laughs> I, I, I know you haven't had time off, David. I know you've been busy. Um, yeah, I'm going to park it there. Um, do you know what? No, I'm not. I'm going to, I'm going to give you a preview, but. I want you to take this away as some homework. God works in mysterious ways. I'm sure we've all said that at some point when something weird happens and something good comes of it. God won't give you more than you can handle. Is that biblical? Come back to that next time then. Money is the root of all evil. Be true to thine own self. Let's leave that as some homework. I don't want to go on the next slide and spoil the surprise. Um, yeah. <laughs>